0: I took an early lunch. That was apparently when the discourse was happening. And I loved the discourse.
1: The, yeah. The Infinity stuff. (laughs) I find myself just completely unoffended by anything going on in Infinity. (laughs) I,
0: so I'm a huge fan of
1: Silver Porter in general. Sure. But
0: (laughs) I think what frustrates me is that people think the silver border is like a thing that's relevant Mm -hmm. because there's been like three sets with silver borders right but the first two were garbage they're un they're not even game pieces they're just like they were created to exist in some visual spoiler form you could look at and be like oh Mm -hmm. okay i get the joke they're not actually fun to play with and then the, you know, uh, unstable was it the good one with good game pieces mm-hmm. that had gameplay.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and like all of those cards could be legacy legal, and none of them would see play. And the same is true. For yes, the
1: none of these cards that like people are getting worked up about are anywhere close to relevant. The the raging river jace is like very intentionally just awful, and that's good. What's funny is that people are like,
0: "Am I gonna have to show up with?" 10 attractions in my attraction deck and i'm like okay a no b if your opponent in legacy just jams an attraction on you you're gonna crush them you don't need to worry about it (laughs) that card is gonna cost four mana and it's gonna get dazed
1: you don't need to mulligan differently like you probably don't even you're playing delver or hogak or some urza saga thing like and people are like you know
0: it doesn't matter if it's unplayable. If someone does it to me, it's going to be bad. And I'm like, for like, what, two minutes? Then you win?
1: Yeah. It, I just it's don't just understand. never going to be relevant. <laughs> you just don't need to worry about it. Please,
0: please, please, <laughs> please. And the cards are cool. They previewed a card that like puts counters on attractions and does something whenever you visit that attraction. And attractions are random. You don't know when you're going to visit them. But it does like, it copies spells whenever you visit it. That you've already set up at that location so that's like a really cool gameplay experience even if it's like you know crazy random it just yes. looks fun. yeah
1: i like i like caleb d's tweet about this i resent that i'll have to play with this nonsense in legacy on moto unless it isn't getting coded in in which case i demand it get added
0: <laughs> yeah it's like the perfect encapsulation yeah.
1: <laughs> just nobody actually knows what they're what they hate about this they just know that they hate it it just doesn't read like other
0: magic cards and that's one thing that annoys me generally people just aren't willing to give things chances i've said mm-hmm. that before i think but like i i don't love when people see something new and it's just like yeah this sucks or i'm never gonna do engage with this or whatever it just like doesn't give it a chance when you don't really know, like, you don't have a framework for it.
1: I've fallen prey to that, certainly. Like, I don't think anybody is immune to it. Everyone has. Especially in a game as old as Magic, in a game we've, like, committed so much time to, you get comfortable with the status quo. But I I just remember, like, the first time when, like, Innistrad came out and they introduced the concept of double face cards and, like, the sky was falling, and then it turned out it was fine and actively great. And so...
0: You know, just give give them a little room. I mean, even something simple like shock being printed in tempest and lightning bolt was, had already existed. I, everyone was rightfully identified that shock was completely garbage in comparison, but it was way better for game yep. play. And,
1: and then, like, fast forward to years later, and then we like play a bunch of basically shocks in like in standard and pioneer. Like, it's fine. It's good.
0: It's just different. Yep,
1: we got a banned and restricted announcement where i could not tell you the like mana costs or text of any of the four cards in the banned and restricted announcement
0: oh i i didn't either i i missed the discourse on that one because like just no one cared like (laughs) i think that i saw more commentary on the fact that a player committee for popper exists than anything else but i mean
1: i mean sure how else would they even know that all initiative, initiative was a, a deck that was too good what is initiative you might
0: ask oh i actually do know what initiative is but it's not it's surprising. a special dungeon
1: that you get into and then get to enter into when you hit them
0: the dungeon is designed for mm-hmm. commander so even if you don't know the text of any of the initiative cards if they just cost two and i don't i don't know the cost or text of any of the initiative cards that they've had. but if they cost like one two or three mana, well they
1: don't they cost three or four mana but you dark ritual them all out is what the deck is. The deck is just all rituals and, and, and three and four drops.
0: And once you're like exploring that Undercity dungeon, the effects are balanced as if you're playing a commander game. So like the last step of the dungeon is like, look at the top 10 cards of your deck, put a creature card into play, put a bunch of plus one, plus one counters on it, like five or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's it like the deck was basically... My understanding of it, it was like the modern equivalent of Dark Ritualing Out Hypnotic Spectre was the entire deck. And, you know, just because keeping going into the special dungeon was really, really powerful and you just would gain an incredible advantage by doing that turn after turn.
0: And you still get it. Like, even if your opponent takes the initiative by playing their own initiative you card, take it back. when You take it When you take it back, you still get a right. trigger. <laughs> you don't have to wait for, like, the end of your turn or the upkeep like you did the Monarch. Someone, re- someone replied to one of my discourse tweets. About- I was like... Subtweeting the rules committee, and they're like, We should just have rules committees for all the formats. And I couldn't tell if they were being serious or not. <laughs> <laughs> so I just pretended that they were being sarcastic and kind of like replied in kind. Yeah,
1: that seems fair. Because
0: that's like pretty obviously a bad idea to me, but um. have <laughs> you listened to anyone on Twitter decide to do anything about magic cards? Like, come on, we can't fit reasonable people in this. Do I think certain people could do a better job than Watsi? Absolutely. Do I think Watzi is going to, like, be able to control that? No.
1: I, I just... I don't care. I I mean, probably the rules of the format should be determined by the publisher of the game. And, and rather than, like, people with a vested interest in, like, certain other things include maintaining the prices of reserveless cards and other weird stuff like that. So Yeah.
0: I did make a joke in Ari and Dom's Discord. They were talking about, like... You can't ban certain things in Legacy or Vintage because of the reserve list. And I piped in with, you know, Brainstorm is a common. We can just get that Mm -hmm. out of there. (laughs) That's true. It's been reprinted like a million times. It wouldn't affect anyone. It's
1: not on the reserve list.
0: No, absolutely not. And it's just a common, again. So, you know, look forward to seeing me on the Legacy uh, player committee when that gets... Could ban fetchlands,
1: too. They'd maintain... They wouldn't even lose any value (laughs) because you still play in Modern. It's
0: just the fetchland format, I guess. I don't I don't really mind fetchlands and legacy. It feels like it's to enough. Yeah. That people deserve to wait for their opponents to shuffle before putting a million cards on the stack. Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Legacy is just like the fiddly game action format, so why why take the <laughs> the shuffling from the fetchlands out of it? You're not really getting anywhere
0: right like I've seen chains of mess with Nephistopheles in play <laughs> on coverage and legacy and there's no reason a fetch line shouldn't be available in yeah. that yeah, is. yeah of
1: course <laughs> fair enough hey everyone Welcome to episode 261 of the MTG Grandcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Hi Chris.
0: How's it going? Or CCR, I guess. You introduce yourself. I don't remember anymore. No, it's all the same to me.
1: Said my said the full name. It's part of the uh, part of the script.
0: I just kind of hear Chris no matter what. Now mm-hmm. I just assume everyone's name is Chris. It's a big there's a problem lot of in us. my life.
1: Yeah, there's yeah. many, many of us. It's a bigger problem in my life.
0: Yes, that, that's true. But I still feel the effects.
1: I mean, we we live. We, we thrive. We're fine. We conquer. Yeah.
0: It's a secret hive mind.
1: I mean, we don't do things, like, together. I'm not in a, like, c- cabal of Chris's or anything like that.
0: I mean, he wouldn't tell me that because my name's not Chris. Uh,
1: yeah, I guess I would say that either way, so... You know. Exactly.
0: I just can't trust that. Believe
1: what you want to believe. It's uh no skin off our back, my back. My back, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so we're going to start off by talking about the challenge results. Uh Saturday was a regular challenge, Sunday was the showcase challenge. Just want to start off with a quick rest in peace to uh, Archer Ketchis's uh spirits run. Did not make the top 8 of either of these with Bant Spirits. Somebody did pick the torch up for him and uh, top 8 the Showcase Challenge. And he did, I, fi- I think, finish 12th in the Challenge on Saturday. So, I mean, still like fighting, still representing, but the streak has ended.
0: Yeah, rest in peace. September 2022 to September
1: 2022. Yes. Uh, but is still allowed to play on Magic Online, winning the Saturday Challenge. <laughs> I mean, I I don't really know. Yeah, want is you know garbage. Yeah,
0: the, kind of control over anything, so it doesn't super surprise me. No,
1: whatever happens, what you know, whatever.
0: I've actually also ne- not seen anyone talk about it.
1: Yeah, it, the the discourse about that got pretty drowned out relatively quickly. You'd think after winning a challenge, after like
0: very publicly cheating, yeah, uh, in paper, like there'd be some consequence or. You know, discussion. Yeah, but just I nah. literally, literally just didn't see happen. anything. I
1: just noticed that he won and thought, "Oh, that's weird." And that's like the only bit of like engagement with that that I've had at all is like, "Oh, that's that's surprising." But you know, we'll just objectively talk about <laughs> archetypes and deck lists. I guess uh he won with Mono Green. Mono Green having a strong weekend. Saturday challenge put two in the top eight. Four total in the top 32 nothing nothing surprising here really to who slows the sunset one copy in this first place list and then in the eighth place list uh two to fairy who slows the sunset you know very very normal mono green lists nothing nothing to write home about here
0: yeah the big <laughs> the big card choices do you play one voracious hydra in your main
1: deck or not yeah and then the sides <laughs> just like whatever and there's not even like, ooh, look at these sideboard choices, because it's just like no. the development of the artifacts sideboard. It's just like... 14 artifacts and a Ferocious Hydra, or sometimes two Ferocious Hydras. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not a ton going on there. But Mono Green, still a good deck. Really, really good. And improves on that in the showcase the next day with three copies in the top eight nine total copies in the top 32 i i feel like we just are on sort of a seesaw balancing board between rakdos and mono green just like which one will be taking up like a heavy heavy portion of the metagame on any particular day
0: yeah that seems about right i'm i'm i like i'm interested in the fires invention deck in third place in the saturday challenge by by guldacott Another lovely pile of fifteen singleton creatures mm-hmm. in your Enigmatic Incarnations deck.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that this is too too different from the lists that we saw last week, but it is, you know, I I I trust Daniel Goschel to come up with a playable deck and, you know, his creature suite is strong and focused 15 creatures rather than like the 17 to 19 or so I think that's that's fine I don't think you really need more than that one titan of industry as a 7 and no agent of treachery which you know as you as you were saying last week you don't really need multiple 7s probably titan is usually good enough cuz not only when you get the titan not only do you have a titan out but you like still have an enigmatic incarnation going so you have you're presenting a lot of threats
0: yeah and also you don't really want to get rid of your leyline bindings
1: every single time you have the option right to. right so this is the one i'm gonna go i'm gonna start playing i think i'll probably play you know start playing a league with it tonight just to survey the landscape you should
0: dm daniel and just ask him if he would make any changes yeah because i he'd
1: be really open about that yeah i that's a good idea i probably should do that but yeah looks good looks pretty clean The enchantment suite, pretty similar to the lists that we saw last week. Although, you know, some of the lists were not playing four Fable of the Mirror Breakers. He's just gone ahead and played four because it's one of the best cards in the format. And I think that's a pretty clear route to take. Has moved completely away from Commune with Spirits. So just not something that he's interested in. And I assume that's like because of mana base and just like turn makeup considerations it's just tough to fit that in if your mana base is not like dedicated towards making that work and there may just not really be a good way of doing that which uh, I don't know maybe there is but but not the way that the deck is built right now but yeah definitely the most exciting thing that we've got going on here you know the first time that this thing is hit top eight and nice to see something kind of new happening there's a Rakdos midrange in top eight. There's a Phoenix in top eight, which is, I mean, I guess like we've been getting like one copy in the top eight for most of these things. So it's not super surprising, but man, the there's not a lot of meat on the bone for these these decks right now. They are, I think, struggling pretty hard to maintain a foothold in the metagame. I think so too. There's,
0: there's a little hidden, hidden Strings deck on top eight, which is really surprising. What's 7-0 in the Swiss?
1: yeah i think if you just hit the right matchups and the right draws then it it, it works out but i don't know about that happening consistently
0: yeah i there's one inscribed tablet and four impulse as new cards mm-hmm. impulse mostly replacing shimmer possibility there's still a shimmer possibility in here
1: it <laughs> turns out we wanted five copies
0: honestly i would rather play another shimmer than an inscribed tablet yeah like just go up to six impulses and call it a day yeah but, that makes sense again is, I think this is more of a play it only if you've got a lot of practice and if you're prepared to play against decks that are just like kind of straight up better than you.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it is powerful. You...
0: Two Zakamas in the sideboard. Like what? what is that even for?
1: Maybe that's a secret. Maybe the second Zakama in the sideboard is is really...
0: You don't want just one Zakama. You got to have two. Are you like boarding these both ends somewhere against something?
1: No. Like how do you cast it? Are we not just getting this with Mastermind's acquisition? I don't know what this is doing. I'm not smart enough to know the purpose of the Zakama Primal Calamity, honestly. Is
0: this a Titan? Amulet Titan plays Zakama Primal Calamity, and like everyone's like,
1: "Oh yeah, this is great," and it's like secretly just terrible the entire time. I've won. Not so secretly. I've won my fair share of games with Zakama Primal Calamity, but they've all been in Cube or ixalan standard? limited ixalan limited PTQs. So I would won with Zakama in standard. There was a
0: finale of Promise ramp deck that you could play Zakama in, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, I never played Zakama in in standard. That was not not it's what a, I was A wise, to.
0: a wise choice. Yeah. <laughs> Rip Monored was very good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: see. Still plenty of Ractos going on. Nine copies in this top 32, so a quarter of the top 32 on Saturday just racked as mid range. Uh, I don't think there's too much exciting stuff to write home about four extinction events in these sideboards, some of the time, which is a pretty solid statement that the deck that I care about beating is mono green, and I'm going to build my sideboard to beat mono green like this sixth place list, four extinction events, and a Kalitas. That's that's a pretty strong statement. A Noxious Grasp, you know, we just have a lot of copies of stuff to bring in against the mono green deck.
0: Yeah, usually five or six early one, like one drop removal spells so you can kill the elves, like Fatal Push, Blood Chief's Thirst, that kind of thing.
1: Yep. Yep. And then put pressure on with your various value threes and kill each thing as it comes out you know the dread bore count is very high because the ability to kill planeswalker is important
0: man karn is such a messed up planeswalker karn is very good i know good. we don't talk about karn very much but that card is crazy
1: it's the only planeswalker that like scales with your available mana in in that way and so it just does something like and the card pool like, yeah. it just keeps getting better yeah it's a good card. I mean, there's Kam- a reason it's- Kamigawa
0: Neon Dynasty, excellent pickup for Karn.
1: It's restricted in Vintage. It's a very good card. That's maybe Definitely slightly different, but- different <laughs> reason, but I mean, I like the energy. Just like any one-sided Stony Silence is actually busted in Vintage. Gifts Ungiven was at one point restricted in Vintage, so, you know, <laughs> it's a crazy format. And we also have the first appearance of Grease Fang in one of these post-DMU top 8s. And all the Greasefang decks are Abzan versions now. There's Nobody's messing around with Mardu anymore. They haven't been for a while. Nobody's really trying that straight black-white version that we saw last week. Uh, this is just all the Witherbloom Command and Grizzly Salvage and a Chariot version. And finally cracked a top eight with one this week.
0: Yeah, and only one Liliana the Veil. I said last week that Liliana's just like not very good at all in this deck.
1: Yeah, they took your advice. And- yeah it bears out here <laughs> yeah makes sense the only discard you know the only way to discard it from hand other than liliana is those four rafines informants right so nah man you just thought seize yourself yeah i mean you can just... thought yourself <laughs> if you are allowed but you're really trying to mill them and anytime they end up in your hand you're just kind of like i don't know if this is ever getting into the graveyard from here
0: you're like kind of signing up to mulligan any hand with on the second in it like any seven it's like it, but it's got Parhelion in it. We're just shipping that back. Yeah,
1: unless it also has a ravine's informant in it.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. But you as is very clearly known, those cards just don't exist in the same set of <laughs> <hand. laughs>
1: Yeah, that that would be too broken if you could ever drop both of them at the same time. Uh let's see. Anything else notable here? Uh the mono red deck that top aided here we switched over completely we're not seeing the like the mono red decks that are popping up this weekend are now not the spell-based prowessy version they are the 26 creature plus four kumano faces kakazan ember cleave versions that's what top aided here and I, we saw a couple more copies and then like a a quote gruel deck that's mostly a mono red aggro deck on sunday so we are now on number cleave version that's the mono red deck that people are playing and i don't know what okay fine yeah it's 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 just pick your flavor of honor it doesn't super
0: i don't know if there's a huge difference and also i wouldn't super recommend playing this deck (laughs) like i don't think it's bad or anything it's just that you're clearly underpowered compared to what else you can do yeah
1: i think this version has more game against the green deck and the burn version has more game against the recto's deck is just so it's
0: kind of how it lays out yeah uh but again i would recommend playing either of those two aforementioned decks rather than red, if you can
1: yeah i it's just tough to justify a, a moderately powered aggro deck in a world with those two decks available to you
0: i'm just not trying to play kari zev in the format where people can play treasure cruise and nick yeah yeah that's just not where i want to be
1: treasure cruise though pretty pushed out of this format for as powerful as it is yeah
0: yeah yeah okay sorry nycthos and uh blood tithe harvester (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) absolute power play blood tithe harvester
0: hey i lose so many more games when blood tithe harvester
1: comes on turn two than like any other game yeah i mean the card is quite good and also just surrounded by good synergistic cards so yeah. As far as Sunday goes, uh we we get back, we get our Bant Spirits deck back in the top eight. There were none in the top eight on Saturday. A new pilot has arisen to take the mantle and make sure that a copy of Bant Spirits makes the top eight. Blue White Control takes down the tournament. Mono Green does even better on Sunday than it did on Saturday, putting three copies in the top eight, nine total in the top 32. Racto's mid-range actually misses the top 8 for the first time, had kind of an off day here, only four copies in the top 32 and yeah, none in the top 8. But I would say that that, you know, you can try to draw some conclusions about the showcase being like, you know, higher skill level and more competitive and maybe but I I'm not too worried about that unless we see that pattern emerge again or something. I think this is just you know day to day variance more than anything else.
0: Yeah, I will point out the blue red creativity deck that took second place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's labeled as
1: erg on
0: goldfish because it's you know it, it it's a creativity deck with big score. I unexpected not windfall to get treasures to creativity and to xenagos and world spineworm.
1: Yes, xenagos
0: yeah. uh, god of revels. Uh, so you can then give the world's point warm plus 15 plus 15 and trample and haste it already has trample uh, and then just want to get them for 30 and, they, and you win the game that's like how you win and those cards are both green, so it's erg <laughs> but the whole deck is just it's you know, is it, it's it's blue deck. red spells with uh you know your removal spells your churning spells and your fables and whatnot
1: yep yeah, I mean, we've seen this deck. People have been playing this deck. I think probably at some point somebody was going to get lucky with it, and it is showing up like a little bit more. But I, am... I think, yeah, I think it's been refined a
0: little more. I, I know previously the we saw the Gruul version, mm-hmm. which was like classically a Gruul version. It wasn't any of these blue cards. Yeah, uh, and then I think people just evolved into. Oh, maybe we should just play like dig through time and spell pierce and stuff like that. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that sounds good."
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fine. You got to play all these fire prophecies because you you can't deal with having either of your creatures in your hand. Mm-hmm. There's just like a lot of awkwardness here.
0: Well, um, you can you can is it charm away your world's play cards? You can those because do get shuffled. They have back. a yeah, they have like a blade steel colossus kind of
1: claws. Xenagos though, you gotta you know. <laughs>
0: yeah those get fire you gotta fire
1: your prophecy that fire prophecy that back
0: you can also uh valakot awakening then
1: oh that's true you do have a bunch of copies of Valakut awakening yeah two copies in this list but yeah a bunch necessary (laughs) i mean it's more than most decks yeah it is and also to give it gives you just like the biggest feel bads when you like all right i can play this as a land and then you just immediately draw one of your creatures
0: though to be fair uh if even if you just put a world spine worm into play and you have some mana to like back it up mm-hmm. world spine worm is a 15 15 yeah if they kill it it makes three five fives so like you can do worse right
1: but sometimes that's just like not good enough against like mono green yeah
0: i mean absolutely against but...
1: against rakdos you're probably fine if you manage to do that but
0: well kalita stops the die strike oh that's so you don't true get the that's Wyrm true back, and you don't get the tokens
1: yeah that's true Cletus is just as long as you can dread bore this or whatever, then
0: <laughs> yeah, they get nothing uh, and they don't even have a chance to uh creativity yet again. Cause if you, if you value creativity into a world's worm mm-hmm. and it dies, you can just creativity for it again. Cause it goes back right back into your deck. Right, but not if they, exile and you get a bunch it. of worms, but if they exile it, you're just out of luck. Yep, yep, yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is not one that I've, you know, I, I'm totally down mm-hmm. to attack the format from a sideways direction The World Spine Worm Xenagos creativity deck is probably not one that I'm like really about doing. I actually like this
0: creativity deck more than any other creativity deck I've seen in the format, including like the Magnuma Opus Torrential Gear Hulk thing. Sure. Uh that like Spike was doing well with for a little bit. Just because I think this like I think the value for World Spine Worm plan is perfectly reasonable. The combo is good. Mm Mm-hmm and even if the cards that you're playing are like kind of just medium is it spells which is uninspired i think your combo push is powerful enough and you can still refine your sideboard well to like reasonably have a good chance of winning even a showcase challenge
1: yeah, sure i think the, this
0: one didn't win it got second but
1: i think the value the like x equals one to get world spine Worm, is not really something you can do because half of the time you just hit Xenagos.
0: oh no, no no yeah yeah i'm saying if you have the like, if you draw the go sure, whatever, like yes. not, your plan's not ruined. Right. You obviously always, all your treasure things make two tokens, so you're always equipped to do it for two. Right, right,
1: right. Unless, you know, it's also sometimes there's a Karn in play and your treasures don't make mana, and but, you know, that's, that's just, like, stuff you have to deal with in the format. Yeah. I don't know anything else interesting here. The blue light controls, decks not playing, uh, line Binding. At the moment, yeah, just like a normal blue-white control deck. I don't think I saw any of the blue-white control decks this weekend.
0: Play any triomes and try to do fancy stuff. Though I don't think there were that many. Look like three
1: mm-hmm. total. Yeah, there there wasn't a ton. Yeah,
0: so even though blue-white is a good a deck in Pioneer, it still kind of lags behind in representation compared to something like uh, Ractos or monogreen Sure. But yeah, I, I, this Pioneer challenge is pretty cut and dry outside from the that, that creativity deck we we're just talking about
1: yeah a little more mono blue spirits showing up maybe like exploiting some of this like heavy mono green presence but nothing too surprising here uh, i do want to point out the gruel aggro deck that medvedev played uh, only got 17th place this is basically the mono red Embercleave deck but splashing green Off of some lands and also splashing green off of burning tree emissary to allow, uh, the playing of Galia of the endless dance. And then it's a reckless bushwhacker deck. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is just kind of cool, like very focused on what it's doing is being a bushwhacker, a Tarkus command deck. Again, think that probably these red decks are not quite strong enough to consistently do well, but they could possibly give you a chance to spike depending on what you play against. Yeah. That's pretty much how I feel. Playing Fire Drinker Seder is not not something well, I'm. Fire really... Drinker
0: Seder into Galia that makes it a three-two. Mm-hmm.
1: It is a Seder. It is. Yeah. Yep.
0: Then your annex makes Seder tokens, which Galia also pumps. It's, it's just cute. synergy. It's very cute. Mm, out the window.
1: Listen, I don't, I don't dislike these things, these individual card interactions, but it's it's a tough world out there to be registering. Oh a no, Legion loyalist. You're
0: when your Seder lord is like the coolest thing about your deck mm-hmm. that's not a great sign
1: <laughs> deck also has gore clan Rampagers in it i love that card
0: i mean i love that card but i do not love putting it in my uh, constructed deck yeah. especially as a three of
1: that's tough it's a toughie
0: like you're, you're it's really just a pump spell
1: yes it's a and i don't colossal per- might I don't
0: plus prefer playing pump spells typically
1: but yeah so that's what's going on in pioneer gonna Lean into that Enigmatic Incarnation list, start with Goldicott's list, check out what he's got going on and see if he has any input before trying it out and go from there. So what else do you have on your mind for today for our our second topic? So for our second topic, uh, I think, you know, pretty much once per set, we'll do a limited episode and I like to do it kind of early in the format where I have done a fair number of drafts enough that I have like above average information about the format so that i can actually give people like some helpful input to get started when we talked about new Capenna, got some feedback from people saying that like you know my takes on the format were helpful to them getting that like initial understanding so i don't think i'm going to be able to give anybody the info to like break the format wide open but i i have been playing it enough that i think i have a baseline knowledge This is a tough format to even just kind of get into. There's a lot of kind of confusing stuff going on. And so I just kind of want to explore some of my experience with it, some of the things that I've gotten past and begun to feel a little more comfortable with. And hopefully that allows you to more easily access this format. So uh, I I think this will be a nice thing to run through and just get that basic understanding.
0: Okay. So where do you want to start? Like, how do you want to approach the format?
1: So... I think that what I want to start with is just kind of like the sort of big parameters, the defining characteristics of the format that set it up to be a, a pretty different limited experience. Certainly very different from new Capeno, which was all aggro all the time. Do not draft anything else.
0: Do not draft three colors. Don't Do not draft not three go. colors <laughs> in this in this
1: three color set. Yeah. This is very different from that. And pretty different from most limited formats just generally and that's because of these like large overarching parameters that that set things up and and kind of make it a bit of a confusing pool to wade into the first time that you draft this is not a a format with like seven or eight different two color decks and sometimes you splash colors and stuff and but the like archetypes are are generally defined by like the signpost uncommons the signpost on commons in this... Like, they shouldn't have put signpost on commons in this set. What is that? I, I think that some of them are just, like... They seem intentionally misleading. Like, the black-red one is, like, a sacrifice legend. But if you draft a sacrifice deck in this format, I think you've, like, screwed up really badly, unfortunately. Even though they have seeds planted for it, and they're trying to, like, pretend there's a sacrifice deck. It's just... This just isn't a format where you have these, like, specific archetypes. It's a very... Kind of soupy, splashy format where there's a couple of like bases and then you have to figure out how to branch out from there or if you should branch out from there. So, one of the defining characteristics of the format is the mana. You're pulled in a couple of directions. There's a fair number of multicolor cards and there are a lot of particularly like the good uncommons and there's a lot of off color kickers on the good commons. That are sort of encouraging you to splash. So you do want to have access to a variety of colors of mana in a lot of your decks. But the mana fixing is bizarre in this format. Sometimes you get a ton of dual lands and it just works out really well and you're very happy with how things went. When that doesn't happen though, the ability to make mana of different colors is like weirdly constrained by the choices of mana fixing that they've put into the set so there's 10 common dual lands and a shimmering grotto in this set
0: for land mana fixing
1: yeah and i've come around a little bit on the shimmering grotto when you have like in any deck where you're trying to make like up to four or five different colors of mana like i'm fine with running a copy of the shimmering grotto as my you know 17th land
0: we should probably just call it crystal grotto it is ca- it is crystal yeah.
1: grotto it, it scries one it's fine it's acceptable because always having access to all of your splashes when you have it is good enough you're not delighted about it but the mana fixing is bad enough that it becomes like acceptable to run one the like actual spells that fix your mana. So the playable ones at common are Floriferous Vinewall. Excellent name. A great name. And fine card. One of the better green commons, actually. One in a green for an O2. You look at your top six and you can put a land from there into your hand. With Defender. That's relevant. It, it has Defender, yes. And we'll talk about Defender when we talk <laughs> about archetypes quote archetypes that are not really archetypes in this format that's the only explicitly mana fixing common that i think is good and then in blue you've got your card selection you've got impulse at common which is just a great card and very good at helping to fix your mana uh you have just some cantripping and stuff like that and th- those are really the only ways that are reliable to help you fix your mana They put all of these mana fixing commons into the format that aren't good and i've tried them and been like yeah they're like just as bad as they look and then i recently you know surveyed the 17 lands data and yeah they're not playable cards so these are death bloom gardener the two and a green one one death touch that taps for a mana of any color scout the wilderness which is a three mana rampant growth that you can kick to make two one one tokens Salvage Mana Worker is a 2-mana 1-3 artifact creature that you can, like, once per turn filter a, a generic mana through for a mana of any color. Meteorite, which is a mm-hmm. core set artifact that's 5-mana when it ETBs deals 2 to any target and it taps for a mana of any color. And then there's Crystal Grotto and Pixie Illusionist, which are, like, kind of defensible. Pixie Illusionist, I think, plays a little better than... It should sometimes, but also it's just terrible other times. This is a blue for a 1-1 flyer that taps to make a one of your lands uh, any type, and it has a kicker cost of 4 to give it 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters. It's okay, but you don't want too many of them in your deck. But, like, I just listed a bunch of cards that are in, like, the Mana Fixing common slots, and they're basically all... Somewhere between completely unplayable and below average win rate on 17 lands, and more towards the completely unplayable end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, I was not
0: inspired listening to any of those cards.
1: No, and and they don't play better, even though the format like wants you to have mana fixing, they don't then like go up above what your like initial like gut reaction they're just actually still pretty bad so uh that creates a weird mess in the format where your mana fixing is really determined by like the lands that show up in the packs and you're really hoping that they are the right colors for you to make your deck work and it's a question of how much should you be branching out before you have the lands can you splash these like good removal spells, uh do you have enough filtering, card filtering or whatever? Cause the mana fixing is really awkward.
0: How are you prioritizing lands then?
1: The common like tap lands? High. Quite high. It, it depends a little bit on what my deck is, but in particular, the Esper lands I prioritize very highly because This is a format where i think you kind of like fall for one of the decks and then you start valuing those the cards in that deck a little higher than in other decks and for me it's the spells deck in esper with maybe a red splash that is just like oh yeah these are my cards these are the cards that i take a little higher than maybe i should and i think that that's just kind of a thing that happens in this format is you get a favorite deck and the esper lands in particular because you're not green you don't have access to Floriferous vine wall they just like get this boost for me because you need those lands in order to play you know a blue base with good black cards and good white cards including potentially like a white two drop uncommon that is very good so having the esper lands like makes a big difference to what you're capable of doing and like the card quality that you have access to or you can just value, like, all of the lands highly and just be, say, like, I'm gonna end up in a domain deck. But that's that's risky because the best domain cards are aggro cards and also are generally right. uncommons. So if you're getting those uncommons, then you can say, like, okay, I want 10 or 11 dual lands in my deck. I'm just taking any that I see. And then my basics are going to be, like, almost all forests. But you know that's a specific archetype that you can end up in and then you're always playing your your tap lands with your aggro payoff is a little awkward (laughs) it is a little awkward but the domain deck it's less of an aggro deck and more of a just like i'm playing a huge green thing like every turn of the game and then i'm and then we'll steal tempo yeah like with with gaia's might usually Mm -hmm. like i it's just that card is worth way more than one mana when you're getting plus four plus four out of it and so you're either countering removal spells or just like winning massive combats with it. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about those like archetypes in a second, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with the like mana fixing. And you do end up in these decks that are many colors and are, are trying to make like four different colors of mana over the course of a long game. And I, I think that any of the grindy decks are kind of doing that. Cause you're trying to splash the better uncommons that you open. You want to have the highest card quality that you can. And I think that generally that means being based in any grindy deck. You're either based in green or you're based in blue. You're either like casting Floriferous Vine Walls on turn two or you have a bunch of impulses in your deck so that you can kind of make your your deck work. And without doing either of those things, I think you need to limit your expectations for like how far you can range in your mana costs or mana colors. So that's one of the characteristics of the format is like the mana demands combined with the kind of wonky mana fixing. And that's the thing you're keeping in mind every pick of every draft, pretty much. Can I make my deck work? Can I cast my spells? Yeah. Can I kick my cards, etc.? Yep, yep, yep. Combine that with the fact that there just generally aren't very many two drops. And that leaves trying to draft aggressive decks in a pretty weird place. And there's only a couple of specific aggressive decks that I'm willing to be in, in this format. Uh, and I'll touch on those when we go over the archetypes in a second. And it also just kind of means that I don't think about this format and color archetypes because it's just such a stew of a format.
0: You just kind of grab
1: whatever's passed you by. Yeah. And then you see if you can make it work or you try to like narrow down to like two and a half colors or something like that as, as the draft goes on. Another thing that's very apparent after just a couple of drafts in the format, you'll notice how powerful and plentiful the removal is and how much of it is instant speed. So, you know, you look at the commons in each of the colors. Blacks Probably two highest rated commons are Extinguish the Light, four mana, Terminate basically. Tribute to Urborg is a two mana instant that gives a creature minus two, minus two, and you can kick it to basically kill anything for two, a black and a blue total. White has Destroy Evil, which is so much better than... Like any of this effect has ever been in the past, which is a two mana instant that kills a creature with toughness four or greater, or kills an enchantment. Which is, it's just you can have five copies of this in your deck and you'll be happy with it.
0: Yeah, it's really good. I see it sees play in constructed formats.
1: Yeah, and there's you know there's a common, uh, Oblivion Ring in white. So often the enchantment removal part of it will be relevant. There's also sagas that you're happy to kill, but there's just most of the time, the relevant creatures on the board in this format are big. And so Destroy Especially Evil is the, yeah, really good. The bigger
0: good. costs put counters on creatures mm-hmm. often. So, yeah.
1: Yep. So, you know, good, good instant speed removal in black, good instant speed removal in white. Red has Lightning Strike in it. And then green has a Pounce card. And it's also got a, a really good one-mana Fight card at Uncommon. Uh, blue has rona's vortex at uncommon and you know there's Herloon battle rage at uncommon and red which is a three mana deal four there's just so much strong instant speed removal running around that you need to be aware of that and not base your deck in such a way you know that you're just kind of like curving out and you need your creatures to mostly survive and start hitting them like they've got a lot of removal spells and it's also a reason why, like, Hammerhand is the lowest rated card in this format. You're just not playing an aggro deck that can throw away cards for damage because somebody's going to, like, cast War Leaders Helix on you with Hurling Battle him. And then all, you know. And you it's lose. lost. It's yeah, over. That, that's it. It's over. <laughs> and then because the there's so much very good removal that permanently kills stuff, it makes stuff like Citizen's Arrest. It's that one white, white uh enchantment that oblivion rings a a creature or a planeswalker you know that card's still good but you don't have to see like pretty good removal spell in a pack and be like oh yeah i gotta take this i gotta take the removal spell there's just so much removal in the format that you can pass on that for a little bit and you will get your removal spells uh also destroy evil does make that card worse so you know the plentiful and powerful removal also renders the rares less terrifying. And the rares are not as powerful as rares in other formats generally. <laughs> rares are Streets of Nukapanna. Yes. They're just not as good, which I don't mind. I kind of like a format where that's that's kind of true. Every time somebody casts one of the Defilers against you, which is the mythic cycle that gives like the Phyrexian mana... Cost reduction. The cost yeah. reduction. You're just like, oh, is that going to kill me? Well, hold on. It like depends on them having a spell of that color that's a permanent and that they can cast before I kill this thing. I would say on average, I have killed every defile. Like I've killed more defilers before my opponent untapped with them than my opponent has actually managed to trigger a defiler at all. Uh, Sometimes they play the blue one and just like start drawing cards, but other than that, like they're generally not that. Scared. Like a lot of times they just don't really work out. They're just slightly overstated creatures. Uh, so rares are generally not that powerful, but because raised deads are such a huge part of this <laughs> format, you know, classic dominaria. Yes. Uh, you can just kind of like lean into your best creatures and, you know, a deck that's like a few good creatures and a bunch of impulses and raised deads is like a pretty good deck in this format. Especially if like one of your creatures is Shieldred, then you just are just <laughs> you're like, I'm a Shieldred Jack. I'm gonna impulse until I hit Shieldred. I'm gonna cast it. You're gonna kill it. I'm gonna keep getting it back and just like incidentally playing random bodies at the same time. And then eventually the Shieldred's gonna kill you.
0: So is impulse like one of your highest rated cards when you already have a bomb because it fixes your mana and defines your bomb.
1: yeah i mean once i have a shield red, like impulse starts standing out in the pack to me like i want those actively uh it's also because talarian terror is my favorite common that's the, <laughs> yeah, of course the five five <laughs> ward two with cost reduction for each instant of sorcery in your graveyard so you don't even need the shield reds. if you have a couple of talarian terrors and impulses in your deck help find your talarian terrors and help fuel them and then they make your raised deads into tolarian terrors and that's a an archetype all on its own that i've had a lot of success with is dig for these five fives keep casting them for one mana force your opponent to trade stuff for them and then get them back over and over again and then they die
0: and what are the raised deads in this format
1: that you so so the best common ones are airport repossession which is a black mana for a raised dead and you gain two and it's got kicker of one and a green. And if you pay the kicker cost, you also get to return another permanent from your graveyard to your hand, which is usually a creature. But when it's a land that you need, you feel really smart. You know, one that you've maybe milled with an eerie soul tender. Uh, And then when it's a saga, you feel like you're really getting them. (laughs) And then there is Eerie Soul Tender, which is three mana for a 3-1 that mills 3-1 it ETBs. And you can pay five and exile it from your graveyard to raise dead. That's just a nice value add. And then the more kind of self-mill that you have and are hitting more of these, then that can be really powerful. And then once you get up to like Uncommon, there's some really gnarly stuff. There is the one in a white 2-3 lifelink that has kicker of one in a black to also get a raise dead out of it. That card's just phenomenal, and there's I think Boar Tusk Bone Rattler, which is four a green and a black for a four four that raised deads, or if the you have like more as many basic land types as it the CMC of the creature, it just puts it right into play, and so those just y- you get to like keep so casting the your card, yeah. yes, uh, so you just get to keep casting your best stuff. And what that does is it makes you really prioritize, like, having good stuff at all. Once you have, like, two really good creatures, then your deck can be just very, very good and devoted to cycling those creatures in and out of play. (laughs) So kind of like the broad archetypes of this format. Big air quotes. Yeah, because you just sort of, like... You get a couple of good cards and then you just sort of try to make things work around it as best you can. And it's very much a constructing a cake out of the ingredients you have type of format. You're, you're really just trying to make things work to enhance your power cards. And you've lost the recipe. Yeah, the you don't have the recipe. You're doing everything just by you know by feel you're smelling the ingredients you're you're just like trying to get it right like oh this could use a little bit of vanilla and it's kind of like playing slay the spire as a magic format a little bit you're just like oh i'm a little weak on like I've, i've had decks that are like oh yeah the power level of this deck is really high i have like card drawing i have a bunch of fantastic removal i have just ways to keep the game going but I don't think I have a way to deal 20 damage to my opponent before like decking myself because I draw so many cards. Like that's a real problem that I've had in this format. And so you need to keep, you know, I don't know how many of our listeners have played Slay the Spire, but the whole time you're kind of tracking in your head, like, okay, where's my survivability coming from? Where's my like quick damage coming from? Where's my scaling coming from for the bigger fights? And and you're just like thinking about all these ingredients, like in balance. And a lot of times with these kind of grindy several color decks you are thinking about that where is my threat base coming from where is my card advantage coming from where is my like early survivability coming from and there's several different ways of of getting to each of those things but you can combine them in whatever combination like your way of killing them you can match that up with several different like ways of surviving in the early game
0: so basically the draft is less some some draft formats I think are you know this is the Platonic ideal of the red black archetypal deck yeah and I'm going to draft as close to the best version of that as I can right and you're just like looking at it holistically
1: three copies of each of these commons basically is what I want yeah
0: yeah and you know that just varies throughout the draft but you like have that in your you have that like ingredient card that recipe in your mind where mm-hmm. you're trying to go for it but this format is more like You're just picking your cards out and you're like, oh, I'm weak early game. I just got to get that. Exactly. Oh, I'm weak late. Oh, I got to get that now. Yeah. Because there's not like a, all right, you're in blue, black. This is what you got to play, you know? Exactly.
1: And, and the, the splashing and stuff also contributes to that. Like what, where can I find, you know, oh, I'm weak to flyers now because my, like, I'm, I'm, relying on early blockers to stop when my opponent has an aggressive start but now if they play a two three flyer on turn three into a three two flyer on turn four am i gonna die to that okay well i need to pick up some of these four mana four four reaches to like patch that up you're you're just like juggling all of these balls to like figure out where you're weak and where you're strong and try to make that work
0: because the cards are more siloed they're not like uh this goes in this deck i'm pretty much only there
1: right right they're like Cards are good. Cards are good at certain things, but they're not necessarily like, I have to be paired with these cards. Except for Wing Mantle Chaplain, which is (laughs) this, we're, you know, moving into just like the kind of very broad archetypes. This is almost the only archetype capital a archetype but even then you have a ton of flexibility because really what wing mantle chaplain is this is three and a white for an O3 defender that when it etbs you get a bird for each of your defenders and then whenever a defender enters the battlefield you get another bird incredibly strong an impossibly strong card i think it has like the third or fourth highest win rate of any card in the set and it is an uncommon if you see this take it and then draft around it The key is that there is a common that is a four mana one three defender that just you get to search your library for a defender and put it into your hand. And so you have a lot of copies of Wing Mantle Chaplain and then you just fill your deck up with some defenders. And then that gives you that early game survivability. Wing Mantle Chaplain gives you ways to kill them. So you're just really filling in with, like, what's my engine for, like, card advantage, for sustain, and for making the most of my Wingmantle Chaplains? And so that's some amount of, like, card selection to get you to your Wingmantle Chaplains and, you know, ways to recycle them. Talarian Geyser is the Sorcery Speed Repulse, so just bounce and recast. Uh, raised Deads are good as well to help you just, like, cast Wingmantle Chaplains that die. But the deck kind of builds itself around the Chaplain. You play your Defender guys. They have a really hard time killing you. You play a Wing Mantle Chaplain. You make a bunch of 1-1 Flyers. And then you just kind of cast spells around that. Uh, so it is kind of an archetype. But you do get to fill in with the casting spells around that. Kind of whatever shows up and is good for you.
0: Sure. I, I will say that when we <laughs> like looked at the set earlier. I don't think it was on a podcast. But I mentioned that anytime Defender was a sub theme of a set, it's just like why the worst thing. Yeah. Like why it's not a fun play experience. And somehow they made it even worse for this one. Yes.
1: Uh, and also I generally like I think Sam Black's article about this was called like there's not a defender deck, there's a wing mental chaplain deck. Don't draft Defender unless you have Wing Mantle Chaplain. There's not a, a Defender deck. Like you you will have a a deck that didn't come together if you have a lot yeah, of walls and no wing mantle chaplains you're not
0: you're not winning with coral colony the like mill for each defender you control yes
1: it's an okay backup plan if somehow they've managed to like essence scatter you out of wing mantle chaplains because at least then they're playing a long game and whatever but it's not it's not a deck all on its own you're just gonna die to like creatures with flying because none of the walls block creatures with flying <laughs> They're just not tall enough. Nope. Dominarians do not believe in tall walls. Mm-mm. How can anything get over this academy wall?
0: Well, they've got a lot of angels, so they're not trying to like you mm. know, be inconsiderate.
1: Right, right. My favorite like broad archetype is basically the blue version of the many color deck. That's that's what I like doing in this format. I like casting a lot of impulses. I like casting a lot of Tolarian terrors. The raised deads are good in this deck because, especially once you get your Talarian Terrors down to like two or one mana, you know, refunding you the the mana that you're paying on the raised dead side of things basically is really nice, and you just keep efficiently making a five five ward two.
0: And even the removal is good in this format. Like five
1: five ward two is still
0: yeah, not it, it, it's something to you know, be scared of.
1: Yes. And, and ideally, your raised deads are giving you card advantage. So even though it's like, yes, they're going to kill this the first two times I play it, but I'm going up a card every time I get it back. And eventually they run out of resources is kind of the idea here. There's kind of a, a bit of a split here. When you are a very heavy spell deck, you can be a slightly more attacky version and that is leaning into Haunted Figment, which is one and a blue for a 2-1 Vigilance that becomes unblockable as long as you've cast an Incinder Sorcery on your turn. And I've definitely seen games play out where somebody plays like a Haunted Figment into either another Haunted Figment or a Flyer and then just like cast spells that make their opponent's turns awkward and let you just keep coming in for 2-4 to four damage and then they just kind of slowly die to that. I think that is a little less reliable than leaning into a more controlling version with Telerian Terror, and one of the reasons for that is that the best blue spell is Essence Scatter, which isn't really doing, you know, that can be kind of awkward in your Haunted Figment deck, and I would rather lean into the Essence Scatter deck if I can than the deck that's not as good at Essence Scattering.
0: Yeah, Essence Scattering on your opponent's turn to yes. turn on your
1: Haunted Figments is not, you know. It's not ideal. <laughs> But I've definitely killed people with essence with, with haunted figments. I've definitely killed people just by going turn one, haunted or turn two, haunted figment, turn three, haunted figment. They didn't really have a removal spell for it, or they were casting it on my like larger things. And then I just cast a couple of removal spells and they just died at these unblockable creatures eventually. They are still very long games, but yes, of course. <laughs> what a weird card to have vigilance too. So, what... one random blue card, one what? of the things that that actually is really nice with is uh raf i don't know what his title is now weatherlight stalwart yes raf weatherlight stalwart so it, these cards actually do work together really well this is a blue white Oh, that's cute whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell you may tap two untapped creatures you control if you do you draw a card and he's also got five mana to give your team plus one plus one and vigilance Mm -hmm. and vigilance which works very well with his own ability and has been a decider in a number of games i've had this card and play with this is like my favorite uncommon in the set to have in my deck it's uh, it's atrocious to play against honestly when things are working out when you just like essence scatter their card their creature and then draw a card and the best they can do is like maybe attack you for two and then you untap it's really bad for them. It's just a painful experience. Cards like that are one of the reasons that I prefer the more controlling version of the blue deck. Just get the most out of having that thing, you know, this type of card in your deck. It's often the decision maker of whether I'm blue-white based or blue-black based is whether I get Raf or I get Vohar. And Vohar is the blue-black looter that whenever you discard an instant or sorcery, you drain them for one, and then you can also Mm -hmm. pay two and sacrifice it to basically Snapcaster a spell from your graveyard. Uh, You can only do it as a sorcery. Those cards are both just like phenomenal two drops in a controlling spell-based deck, and they kind of just make me lean towards one color or the other as my secondary color for the deck. If you do want to attack in this format, There aren't really any decks that are just like, oh, yeah, I can curve out with this, you know, black red deck. I don't think there's a black red deck in this format. Like, I don't think you should ever be in black red, basically. Curving out is difficult. It's tough to get like efficient threats at most points of the curve that are like, you know, normal creatures, maybe with some evasion. You know, there's a Kavu that's like a three mana two, three menace that has the it's flowstone Kavu. It has the flowstone ability red to give it plus one, minus one until end of turn. Like that card on its own on turn three is like, wow, that represents a lot of damage. That's kind of scary. But it's so rarely played after a good two drop that a lot of times you just take damage off of it and then you kill it and then you never really take damage again. So it's tough to build like a normal aggro deck in this format. So the aggro decks that I've seen that work are very go wide token Z kind of decks that's generally that's going to be white based generally going to be red white and you do have some amount of flyers there's a so there's a three mana two two within list that also makes a one one token that's a very very good white common and kind of the basis for this type of deck. There's a cycle of cost reduction creatures, one in each color. The one in white costs one less for each creature you control and is a 4-4 vigilance for six. So if you're making tokens, that can be a really powerful like tempo play where you get to double spell with it and something else on like turn five or so. You just kind of go wide, and there are a couple of different pump your team effects, and that generally can be strong. You, you are engaging positively with the defining fact of the format that the removal spells are very good if you just like make a bunch of tokens and then are dealing a lot of your damage through those so i'm pretty comfortable with the tokens deck as a way to attack Uh, you can also just kind of do this in blue white and have like a lot of the tokens things and raf ends up actually pretty good in that deck with captain's call and then some spells captain's call is three and a white to make three one ones like that card and RAF is like a, a nice little like mini engine kind of thing that powers up some decks that let you attack things from a, a sideways angle. Uh, you can also do fine with flyers. There's a three mana two, three flyer in blue that I'm generally not going to play in like any of the spells decks. But a lot of times when my opponent casts it, I'm like, oh, wow, that's just going to deal a bunch of damage to me. And if they cast that and then they follow it up with uh, Talos's whatever, the four mana three, two flyer, and just have a bunch of flying power in play, that can be a problem, particularly if you're relying on walls to stop early damage. And it's just like, okay, here's some evasive damage sources that are going to keep coming in. And so I, I found that those flyers can do some work. And then weirdly enough, the domain aggro deck like exists and is fine (laughs) it does rely pretty heavily in my experience on some key uncommons particularly nishiba brawler which is one in a green for an oh three trample that gets plus one plus O for you know each basic land type and then weather seed treaty which is the saga with read ahead chapter one is a rampant growth chapter 2 is you make a saprolling chapter 3 is give a creature is you, you get a sorcery speed guy as might basically uh, and it also trample. gives trample yeah so those are really good at pushing through damage and these decks are constructed so weirdly a lot of times it's like my spells are mostly green with some red and then i have all of these dual lands that are just like double off color <laughs> uh because it's the only way that i could get up to five domain reliably and it's weird but it does kind of work and if you do get like the good uncommons it can be really powerful and people often are building their decks to kind of like not really respect the aggro decks and if you're playing against a deck with a bunch of raised deads and you're just like i have these like giant tramplers and i'm casting gaia's mites on my big tramplers then the raised heads are not going to get there in time You're you're attacking on a different angle, and that's just not what the game is about anymore. So I I do respect this deck as a way to attack. It doesn't always come together because the uncommons are what really powers it up. I want to note that the sacrifice deck doesn't really exist. And there's like a bunch of cards saying do this. You know, there's bone splinters and a threaten at common. The black red uncommon is very clearly keyed towards a sacrifice deck. And
0: there's so there's two of each uncommon. Both the black red decks. Which one are you? Both the black red uncommons are. Like which are you talking about like Garna or Legomos?
1: I'm talking about Legomos. Garna is, you know, just like kind of a fine card. Yeah, it's like better in a sacrifice deck, but it just kind of wants you to be attacking. But I don't think you can generally build a black red deck that wants to be attacking, so it's a little awkward. But yeah, the the other black red card just like says says oh build a sacrifice deck around me and you just can't if you're a black red deck you can't make fodder for your sacrifice cards it doesn't exist there are no all the, all the all the tokens are in white all or a white kicker costs all of the tokens require white mana there's just no way to do it without white mana and y- you are neither green for mana fixing nor are you blue for card filtering so you're just like hoping that you get a ton of dual lands or you play some like really bad colorless mana fixing in your deck and it doesn't it just doesn't work out and you'll see that like the stats for the sacrifice specific cards are just not good because and i made this mistake myself i lost a really rough couple of matches to hurler Cyclops, which is a five mana a five, four that has one mana sacrifice. Does it a permanent or a creature? I got another, another creature sacrifice, another creature to deal one to any target. And my opponents had these decks that were Mardu decks that were like making all of these tokens and making good use of hurler Cyclops. And I was like, wow, okay, that card seems very powerful. And then I had a draft where I like picked up three hurler Cyclopses, and Just was completely unable. I was prioritizing, like, got to get some tokens. Got to get things to sacrifice. Uh, That's all I need. And I was just completely unable to put it together, despite knowing that's the only thing I wanted now. It just was impossible to do.
0: Isn't Hurler Cyclops better suited for just a red-white token strategy as the top end, anyway?
1: Sure. But, you know, I... I mean... Yeah. But it's also got really bad stats, just generally, because I don't think you need it in that deck. Uh, sure
0: but like i don't don't think i when when i'm looking at the composition of a set like this one mm -hmm. i don't think i would go towards red black sacrifice have no tokens i want to put five drops in my deck to sacrifice stuff yeah I mean, I would you know, be like, all right, this is my finisher and the tokens deck that I'm attacking them with.
1: It was early in the format and I had played against decks that it actually worked in. But I think those decks just basically never come together and they were just outliers when I saw it because you have to have your mana be perfect and get a bunch of copies of these token generators that just are tough to use. I, I do think that like in the red white deck, Keldon Strike Team is very good. Just it's just a good card. This is a three mana, three one. That, as long as it's entered the battlefield this turn, your creatures have haste and has kicker of two to make two one ones. That card just represents a ton of damage and does good work all on its own. Um, But yeah, you need to have white mana in order to make sacrifice fodder. And it's just so hard to put all of that together that it's just like weird that they have put these like you know, bone splinters and other things and told you effectively that there's a Rakdos sacrifice deck and I would just not recommend ever trying to draft it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well
0: That does fit
1: a lot of my
0: adventures drafted sacrifice decks unlimited, so that tracks.
1: Yeah, I mean this is this is probably the heaviest like ignore this signpost one that i've ever seen but it's it's you're right like that does happen yes so don't do that and and also you end up when even when it does kind of work out you end up drafting like this grindy deck and then you start walking into people's grindy decks that are stronger than you you know you're trying to do token stuff and they're like I've just milled a shieldred into my graveyard, and I'm going to herbord repossession it, and this other thing. And how many like, shieldreds
0: have you played against?
1: Them? I mean, or or uh, you know angel. I know of, it doesn't matter, but angel I know of you're wrath is a rare. You know, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever rare creature that they're just going to like keep rebuying with herbord repossession, like is going to be a problem. Yeah, because <laughs> you're setting up to play this long game, and they're fine doing that. I just have some like individual cards that I also want to talk about a little bit. Uh, We mentioned Destroy Evil earlier. It's, you know, these cards often read as like, oh, okay, this is like a good sideboard card. Maybe I'll run one in this format. Destroy Evil is just phenomenal. Run many copies of it and you'll be happy that you did. Even if it looks like you don't have a target, there's a decent chance that at some point, you know they'll play a Gaia's Might or they'll play a, a Weatherseed Treaty or something. And you'll get to like really blow them out with it. Maria's Outrider is four and a red for a four-four reach. That when it ETBs, it deals it's a domain trigger, deals damage to your opponent equal to the number of uh, basic land types you've got. This card is really good. It's playing kind of both sides of the ball really well. Reach is pretty important in this format. If you're playing a raise dead heavy strategy, you need some number of reach creatures in your deck so that some of the things you raise dead can solve flyer problems. And also, if you're like casting this a bunch of times, you're just like, you know, dealing 10 or 12 damage to them via the trigger over the course of a game. And it just is a really good role player for a few different decks. Molten Monstrosity is the cost reduction creature in red. This is like an eight mana five five trample that costs one less for amount of power of the highest pa- power you have. So if you got a five five, it costs five less to cast. Uh,
0: I was about to say it's like Stonehenge, but
1: that's not the name of the card. that does that. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Great Henge. <laughs> yes, the yes, Great it, Henge. It's got it's got the Great Henge cost reduction. Yeah, this card is pretty bad. Has pretty bad stats, uh, and I don't think it's great. But I think there are ways to do it and make it into a fine card, Uh, particularly if your deck is a Gaia's Might and Weatherseed Treaty deck, then you just have like free ways of making it very, very cheap. Uh, With cards that you kind of wanted to cast anyways. And you can get like huge tempo bonuses that way. By casting this for very cheap. But I think you do need some copies of like those cards. And not just big creatures. Like you need to be doing something a little special to make it good. And don't just put this creature in your deck. Urborg repossession is the raised dead. Potentially actually just the best black common. As long as you can make green mana. I don't know if I'm quite willing to go that far, but it's like the most important component to a deck that's leaning on it in order to be your like mid-game engine that really like grinds your opponent into dust. So don't sleep on this card. It's extremely, extremely good. Gibbering Barricade is two and a black for a two-four defender that has two and a black, sacrifice a creature, you gain a life and draw a card. This card is so much better than almost any wall that you've ever like thought about putting in your deck in a limited format <laughs> it stops their tokens so they don't get in incidental damage because they can't just run tokens into a defender with power it, it stops a lot of their small creatures there's a lot of two twos and three twos that they're trying to get damage in with in this format it turns off removal spells against the decks that aren't attacking you not like turns them off but it basically like does this limited game version of a spell skite thing where they kind of have to kill it first with a removal spell or else they're like wasting you they're letting you get all this value by sacrificing all of the targets uh and then as long as you are playing carefully and slowly and keeping mana up then on that first one you two for one them and i've just had a lot of games where my opponent plays a a gibbering barricade and i wasn't really attacking at that time and it's just like oh that's really annoying (laughs) So that card is is way better than you might think. Essence Scatter is the best blue common, and I routinely like table it, and I don't know what's going really? on there. Really,
0: that's, that's
1: that's still surprising. To me. I, I don't get it, but whatever. I'll keep I'll keep doing it. I'll keep drafting blue as long as this keeps happening. I keep trying other decks, and then getting like a ninth pick Essence Scatter, and being like, why didn't I just play a blue deck like I always do? It just you know, it's making it really hard to not just play the blue decks.
0: Varieties is overrated. Just you know, essence scatter all day.
1: Yes. And then I had listed Raff and Vohar here just as that like pair that helps me figure out what my second color is after blue. And after blue, <laughs> yeah. I I just want to be. So so you have this package in blue, right? This like essence scatter, Telerian terror, impulse. And to a slightly lesser extent, but but still reasonable, of uh, timely intervention, which is one blue mana, give a creature minus one, minus oh, draw a card, kicker of one in a red to force a creature to block this turn. And that package alone, like, is the base of a deck. And you just need to add in a little bit to patch up other things, just like a removal color. Because that package is giving you, you know, cost reduction, it's giving you removal, it's giving you... Uh, the ability to find your Telerian Terrors and it's giving you the ability to end the game. So you just want to add in a little bit of removal and a little bit of like card advantage, which can also come in blue from stuff like Talos's Lookout or the Divination with the Black Kicker. So blue is taking care of a lot of the, you know, Slay the Spire things you're trying to check off as you build your deck. And then you're just trying to fill in a couple of the other things with whatever shows up in the other colors is is kind of how I think about drafting the blue decks.
0: Uh, What do you? Okay, I guess before I ask you any other questions, like did you any other individual cards you wanted to talk about?
1: No, that was that was a list of things that I wrote down. Like, I have a thought about these and you'll notice that it's like all commons because it's just the and Raph and Vohara uncommons, but they show up in a lot of my <laughs> decks but the rest are cards that just show up all the time
0: how do you think of
1: the quality of this format like you're really enjoying it this is a frustrating format to me because I think it's really close it's kind of similar to like how Ikoria is a frustrating format to me because there was so much good going on in it but then there was flourishing fox zenith flare just like hanging out and there were games that you couldn't do anything about because that happened to you in in this format I am frustrated by kind of the way the mana fixing works and depending on what's going on in your seat, maybe you can just play like five colors very easily and not have to play the bad mana fixing to do it. Or maybe you just like can't build a playable deck in your like Mardu colors with the cards you're trying to make work together. Like it's, it's very... Just dice rolly if that is going to work out. And maybe, like, uh, you know, having Evolving Wilds and Travelers amulet in the format would make it even, t- like, soupier and more obnoxious, where, like, you just are supposed to be five colors almost every time. But the balance just seems not there for it. And wasting all of these common slots on mana fixing that's, like, unplayable is, I, I think, like, is a huge strike against the format for me
0: okay i mean yeah i can see what you're saying about having both vulnerable and travelers Amulet would make it soupy but i wonder if just like one of yeah. those would be would go a long way i think to making a little more easy yeah mana fixing decisions and you don't even have to do like well you probably do want to do travelers amulet if you want to go that route because something like Armillary sphere which was in the other domain set conflux that's like
1: really makes it a in- little too easy to hit five
0: well it's more geared towards i want the game to go long getting two cards
1: off this artifact right and it costs four mana to do this yeah right yeah yeah Yeah, so i don't know it just feels like a format that has several cool things going on and then a few things that just really fell short and could have been fixed at some point like the sacrifice thing is frustrating the way the mana works is frustrating the lack of There are aggressive decks, so maybe that's not really a problem in the format. You have to do something specific to attack in this format, but that's not necessarily a problem all on its own. There are just a couple of places where like, oh boy, if they fix this and this and this, then maybe this could have been a truly great format. And instead it's like, yeah, a a bunch of the drafts are fun. A bunch of my games are fun. But then there are some games that are just horrible. And there's plenty of games where your opponent just like, curves out and cast spells and you don't understand how they're doing it because they have like multiple lands that don't make a color of any of the spells that they cast (laughs) in the like domain aggro deck and you're just like what's happening to me there's an orzhov land out there and they've only cast three spells or they've only cast green spells this game yeah you know
0: i mean i like there to be some element of like high rolling Mm -hmm. in my magic games but i would like it to be less completely overt
1: yes (laughs) yeah and you also don't see the games, like, you don't necessarily know that they just, like, have something stuck in their hand, so you don't quite get the feeling of, like, yeah, you're your, like, very greedy deck is punishing you now. A lot of times that's invisible, so you kind of only see, like oh my god, I don't understand how this mana base is killing me right now, but I can't possibly win, and I have to play three more turns of this.
0: God, I hope you don't have Gaia's mind. Or maybe you should so it puts me out of my misery. Yes,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I'm usually happy when they just like double Lava Axe me, so I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So do you, How do you feel about Winged Mantle Chaplain as part of the format? I've heard mixed things about
1: it. Yeah, I think that... I don't think that Defender Matters is a good theme to put in a format. Generally, I think that if you're going to do it, then maybe Wing Mantle Chaplain is good because it actually kills you, but it's very frustrating because you know it's coming, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to die to the Wing Mantle Chaplain. I don't have enough Essence Scatters to, like, do this, because they're just going to raise dead at a bunch of times. Uh, I mean, playing Essence Scatters is a good defense against this deck. If you're not playing Essence Scatter, then yeah, you're just going to lose to the Chaplain, and you know it's going to happen, and there's very little you can do about it i don't think that the i think the chaplain is a bad like zenith flare type inclusion in the format that i i disagree with having i think it would be okay if the shield wall sentinel the the tutor for it were not around but the fact that you get one copy (laughs) and then you just are gonna have three copies uh i think that's problematic yeah I, i haven't been impressed any time they've
0: done the defender strategy I think it was before this set at its best in Rise of the Eldrazi. Mm-hmm. And it still wasn't good then, because your opponent just played an Eldrazi and crushed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, you were just trying to like make your Overgrown Battlements good, and then when that was good, it was... O- Overgrown Battlements was just a good just card. Just a good currency. card,
0: yes. Two mana, o four 4 the types for a mana. And then if you have two yes, of them, they're crazy. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like format's fine. I am having fun with it, but there are a fair number of moments that make you go, eh. So, it's definitely not an all-timer for me. Sure. That that's the overview. Hopefully that is helpful in like definitely if you disagree with any of my takes, I'm I'm interested in hearing. I do love talking about this stuff. So, anybody who's had different experiences, I would love to hear, you know, what what your feelings are and what your experiences have been.
0: Especially if you found your own, you know, air quotes archetype yeah. that you've that you fell in love with. And it's different for all these stuff. This
1: is a hard format to, you know, once you've kind of locked in on like these are the decks that I know how to draft and I understand the varying like values of the cards in these. I think it's really hard to learn new ones on your own, and so I I I have been benefiting from paying attention to other people's content and seeing the decks that they've come up with and being like, oh, okay, I hadn't even like considered building a deck in that way and so i'll think about that going forward where it's almost impossible to come up with it on your own
0: which is actually i think a big point in the favor of this set yeah uh it's just disappointing that kind of the mana is such a big barrier
1: yeah i don't don't love how that worked out unfortunately
0: you'd think they (laughs) would have learned from their invasion like invasion was a five color set with domain that had a bunch of horrendous mana issues Mm -hmm. and this set is like very clearly modeled after it and you'd think they would have learned you know a little more just a little more (laughs) the 22 years since invasion was
1: printed and and particularly a little bit of something that could fit into decks in that like non-blue non-green like some combination of 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 white black and red would be would be nice but we're just missing something there yeah
0: i kind of like listening to Hugh talk about the mana makes me wish there was a clash-like mechanic where you could just like scry for free a bunch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be clash. Clash was just like the first thing that popped to mind because Lorwin's mana was not very good. But like every card had clash, so you just made your mana work anyway. Just some card filtering
1: thing that's like built into the format a little bit.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that's not cycling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a few different directions that could have gone to like make it a little less painful but you know we're kind of stuck with where it's at right now yeah for sure oh well it's yeah. <laughs> still fun it is still fun it's always fun to play a new limited format like basically i'm always going to enjoy the first 15 to 20 drafts of a format no matter what and then then Ooh, I st- but what about modern horizons 2 okay i've got burnt out on modern horizons 2 pretty quickly after just like <laughs> Playing against mono-modular decks for, like, the first three drafts, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so done with this. You still
0: had 12 to 16 drafts left. And, yeah, I was, I was
1: over it. Yeah, that was about the quickest I got burnt out on a format, honestly. Yeah, I know. It was, like, the day after the yeah. set, <laughs>
0: It was very clear you were over it. <laughs> yeah. All right, anything, anything else? Anything else for me? No, I don't think so. I'm good. Ah. I... I haven't had much magic, I told you, this week, because mm-hmm. I have been Fli- you know, gearing up for, for Nationals for Flesh and Blood is this weekend. Yeah. I'm going to it, so I've just been doing that, which is why we're having this CCR has <laughs> been doing nothing but drafting
1: episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is good timing for that. I think next week we are going to talk about tournament prep generally uh, in anticipation of the next rcq season starting up so yeah because this is
0: the last week of rcqs this weekend mm-hmm. and then there's a two-week break from what i understand and then the rcqs start back up again so we're kind of going to be bridging into you know you, you missed out on last season that's fine you know if there's a new season here's how you can prepare for tournaments yeah
1: so that should be fun i'm, I'm looking forward to that one
0: yeah me too i like writing stuff up like that yeah and then just reading off my notes for verbatim with no <laughs> improvisation. Yeah, that's how I did this
1: one, right? Just like yeah, exactly. Just really tight. Just immaculate up that, notes. That whole spiel about DMU draft. It's all
0: in here. Even the jokes. we it's very scripted.
1: Yes, uh, we're very good actors, which is why it sounded so natural. We're very gifted. Well, it's the it's the editing. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. I'm just cutting out everything <laughs> awkward in there. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good. we we
0: stop and like you know scroll up and down through scroll file here's the here's the card there's there's
1: a lot of takes of each of these jokes and so i gotta like clear those out and get the best take and yeah it's a lot of work but it's worth it it. it
0: honestly takes longer to record uh because of that but you know it's just the price we pay
1: we're just trying to come up with a good product so (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks everybody so much for listening i don't have any calls to action this week uh right is anything fun going on on Twitter to make a joke about? Oh, it's the Unfinity Take Day. Oh yeah, apparently. go get it. That that's that's my call to action. Get on Twitter and make a take about Unfinity. I don't care what it is, but just like get in there, engage. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just don't don't insult anyone, but just go ham. Other than that,
1: yeah. No, definitely. Just you know, what what do you think about the the anything really
0: stickers Sh- attractions. showing up with an
1: attractions deck to every legacy tournament like are you gonna do it talk about it. like yeah definitely get get. how, real how do you feel about
0: splitting your battlefield into alpha beta and gamma like where would you put your creatures are you more of an alpha player
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited to just watch these conversations oh they're great i have been enjoying myself a lot today <laughs> <laughs> Stickers are not going to be a thing that you need to worry about in legacy tournaments. Sorry. I guess we did just do the discourse. But anyways. Yeah, but you're going to edit some of it out. Yeah, probably. It'll
0: just come back to us talking this part and no one will be any the wiser.
1: I'll just keep the funny parts in. Oh,
0: okay, cool. Great. Got to make us look good. Always. All
1: right. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week.
0: Bye.